the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, folks. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon... They will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We roll into hour two of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, we're going to change the conversation a little bit. Uh, President Biden formed a commission who's, uh, according to the White House, uh, whose purpose is to provide an analysis of the principal arguments in the contemporary public debate for and against Supreme Court reform. And uh, from what I understand, this this really just kind of grew out of discussions and questions that the president got about uh, uh, whether or not he would consider packing the court. And um, that seems to be the only reason to consider Supreme Court reform. And in the in the wake of that and and some uh, some movements in uh, Congress, uh, the Senate and and various state legislatures around the country, a group has been formed called uh, um, Keep Nine, and and they're advocating a Keep Nine amendment to the uh, to the Constitution, and uh, to basically um, outlaw court packing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that initiative and and some of the different activities that are going on with regard to this, with the co-chair of the Keep Nine Coalition, and uh, former Attorney General of Tennessee Paul Summers, who joins me by phone. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for your interest. Um, Paul, is there anything about the Supreme Court that needs reform outside of this idea that some people were primarily from the left advocating uh, 
attacking the Supreme Court to balance it politically somehow? We at the coalition, uh, several of the other lawyers and judges with whom I've talked, and the general public, in my opinion, feels like this, this commission could be a solution looking for a problem. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at, Paul. Is outside of this notion of uh, uh, President Trump, while he was in office, had the rare opportunity to um, actually put three justices on the Supreme Court, which created a. Uh, well, I'm getting a lot of feedback from you. Um, but, uh, it, it, it tipped the balance, um, from, well, at least on paper of, uh, justices considered to be conservative versus liberal justices. And that became a, a political thing. Um, and, and, uh, candidate Biden and then president Biden got many questions from the media about whether or not he intended to pack the court to try to put a few, uh, or a couple more liberal justices on the court. That's, that's the only issue that's come up about the Supreme court, isn't it? Well, uh, can you hear me okay now? Yeah, I can now? hear you. I can hear you well, Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much. Back in September of 2020, at that time, presidential candidate Joe Biden, uh, he refused to answer a question about whether he would expand the size of the Supreme Court, although he had, in his Senate career, had always been against court packing. It appears possible that at some point in time, uh, if the uh, packing advocates have a Senate and House majority, as they do now, they might seek to pack the court. So I think this was probably the genesis of his having a commission to, quote, study, end quote, uh, possible reform of the Supreme Court. We have had a Constitution since 1789. For about 80, 85 years, the number of the members of the Supreme Court, Tom, vacillated between five and ten. Many people don't realize it, but the number of members of the Supreme Court can change based on legislation by the Congress. In other words, if the House and the Senate passed a law and the President signed it, it could increase to any number that they could pass in the legislature or the Congress. A constitutional amendment would be the only firewall against court packing. Court packing basically is adding to the members of the court or subtracting the members of the court so that you can fill those vacancies if they occur with people of the same political ideology that you have. However, a constitutional amendment, which requires much more work and many more votes and much more deliberation to change, would be a firewall against court packing. We have a crown jewel in America. 
that crown jewel is called an independent judiciary. Our forefathers not only were smart, they were clairvoyant. They realized that we would have problems in the future before they even occurred. Our forefathers created two branches of government that were purely political. The legislative branch or Congress, Article 1, the executive branch, the president, Article 2, and those are purely political. Uh, they, are, they, they rise, they fall based on votes, based on political ideology. However, the Supreme Court and the judiciary was and is independent. It, it is independent and, and absolutely makes its decision based on what the law is and what the Constitution says. If we erode that by packing the court with political ideology, we'll only have politicians in black robes. And as one great politician recently said, and I thought it was so sage, one of these days if we don't have a constitutional amendment and the court gets packed by one party, what happens is the, the, the other party, when it comes in power, it packs the court as well. The next thing you know, some child at Thanksgiving about 50 years from now will ask his granddaddy, granddaddy, why do we have 131 members on the U.S. Supreme Court? <laughs> <laughs> that is a scary thought. But why, as, as you say, Paul, the you know founders were, were practically clairvoyant in their anticipation of um, you know, what should be political, what shouldn't be. Do you have any sense or feeling for why they wouldn't have set the number of justices uh, built into the Constitution? Well, uh, it, it originally began with, with six. Uh, then it expanded uh, to, to ten uh, right after the Civil War. And then in 1869... It, it was decreased to nine. It has been nine for 152 years. To answer your question, I think that they, they, they created the court system like it did. It made it partial, partially political. Probably they didn't see how political it would be some 225 or 30 years later as it has been today. But they, they made it political in the sense that it takes it takes a, uh, a president to nominate someone for the court, and then you have to be, have it confirmed by the Senate. That's, purely, that, that's fairly political right there. However, once the person is in office, it's a lifetime appointment during good behavior. I think that's what their checks and balances were, and I don't believe that they ever anticipated there being a great number of Supreme Court justices. We have done well for 152 years. Ironically, before her death, the Honorable Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a justice on the Supreme Court, and then later a Justice Breyer, who is a current member of the Supreme Court, said nine is a good number. We ought to keep it at nine. And they were against court packing. Bottom line is this. The, the constitutional framers, the constitutional framers created a constitution 
They also created a constitution that could be amended later down the road. As a matter of fact, when they framed the constitution, they didn't even, even consider freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to, to possess a weapon, uh, uh, right to bear arms, uh, uh, due process, and things of this nature. The Bill of Rights. Bill of Rights. They're in the Bill of Rights, and, and they, they weren't afterthoughts. It was just, well, you know, we need to address those things. We need to, we need to address those things. Matter of fact, we've got 27 amendments to the Constitution, so all of those things are important. Uh, some of them are in the body. Some of them are by amendment. But I believe it should stay at nine. And, and by the way, this coalition that you talked about, it's the Coalition to Preserve the Independence of the Supreme Court. It was formed about a year and a half before even these issues were even talked about by a bipartisan group of former attorneys general, eight Democrats and seven Republicans basically created and formed this coalition to, to try to back a 28th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And a lot of people don't realize out of those 27 amendments that, that you mentioned, Paul, um, the Bill of Rights um, are the first several of those. Yeah. I, I can't remember if the Bill of Rights is, is 10 it's, or 9. It's 10. It's 10. And, and, of course, we talk more about the Bill of Rights than anything in the world, and they were amendments to the Constitution. <laughs> I know. Uh, but but amending the Constitution is, is a very uh, difficult thing to do, but it, it may be time. And as, as you point out, Paul, um, the framers couldn't possibly have imagined uh, the scenario that we just saw where we had uh, a Republican majority in the Senate, a Republican president, and... Um, and three vacancies occur. Well, you know, on the three on the three vacancies that occurred, they were following the Constitution when they when they nominated and when they confirmed uh, those three those three seats. That's just that's just the way the Constitution reads. But I think it's I think it is not only ridiculous, but it's also disingenuous to argue. Well. Because, because uh, uh, allegedly there's a six to three uh, uh, difference in the makeup of the of the Supreme Court, we need to start packing the court. Well, what's going to happen? For one thing, uh, their criticism doesn't uh, doesn't pan out when it when it comes to actual court cases. Look at what happened, for example, in the uh, cases where uh, former President Trump uh, sued regarding the election contest. How did that go? Did that go in, which, which way did that go? Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised by that, Paul. Paul, I have to interrupt here for a moment, and I apologize, but I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes? Because I want to talk about this some more. I'll sure do it. All right. My guest is uh, Paul Summers. He is a uh, former attorney general of Tennessee and uh, a co-chair of what I've been referring to for brevity as the Keep Nine Coalition. But he explained the, the actual name. We're going to take a short break and uh, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. And we'll talk some more about to pack or unpack the court. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with former Attorney General of uh, Tennessee and uh, co-chair of the Keep Nine Coalition, Paul Summers. Uh, Paul, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. I appreciate your interest in this really important issue, probably the most important issue that will come during the uh, 2022 election cycle. It, it is uh, an important issue, and as, as you were pointing out, a lot of people, um, this this discussion really took on a, a kind of a fevered pitch um, after uh, the uh, nomination of uh, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, who a lot of people thought was rushed uh, during the uh, last presidential campaign. And as you pointed out just before the break, Paul, and and it's worth underscoring that some of her decisions have been, as we all hope justices on the Supreme Court would be, um, based on the rule of law. Right. Well, in in America, our third branch of government, the judicial branch, is intentionally supposed to be and is independent. Court packing, or that is filling vacancies or or increasing the number or decreasing, but primarily increasing the number of Supreme Court justices and replacing them with people of the same political ideology that you have, that's what's called court packing. If one party does it, when they have a trifecta uh, in the uh, in the legislative, the executive branches, when they have a trifecta, if one party does it, what's going to happen when the other party gets in power? They're going to do it. The next thing you're going to wind up with is a banana republic type of judiciary. We don't need that. Court packing integrates or destroys the independence of a court system. It, it hampers and denigrates the rule of law that is that is that all people are created equal and endowed with certain unalienable rights like life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And then thirdly, and most importantly, uh, the judiciary acts as a checks and balances on abuse of power by the other two branches. Judges make decisions and are supposed to make decisions based on the Constitution and the law, not on politics, not on uh, what's popular, not on uh, things that they read in the newspaper or hear on the radio or see on television. They make their decision based on the Constitution. That's the way it has been. That's the way it should be. And we in our bipartisan group, which, by the way, uh, I, I do appreciate you calling it Keep Nine. That's what we try to we try to call it because that, that that's memorable, Keep Nine. Uh, formally, it's called the Coalition to Preserve the Independence of the Supreme Court. Uh, but... If they want to get in touch with us, they can they can contact us by looking at our website. It's called it's called uh, www.keep9.org. They can write us by email at leaders l e a d e r s at keep9.org, or they can call us in Washington at two zero two two five 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 thousand. The bottom line is this. 
we want to maintain what we've had for 152 years. Uh, it's not good enough for a political candidate to be asked, are you for or are you against court packing? It, it's a binary question. There are two questions that need to be asked. Number one, if you are against court packing, are you also for a keep nine amendment, which would be a firewall against court packing? You can't be for one and not be for the other. Yeah, I just I, I, I just want to reflect again on the fact that, you know, the public has this impression largely fueled by the media and and not without some political rhetoric behind it, that um, that somehow conservative justices and liberal exa- uh, justices exist and that we have a 5-4 court or a 6-3 court or um you know that that somehow the court is split by some sort of party or or ideological uh, uh affiliation and what we found is that we're often surprised as we were with Amy Coney Barrett we've been surprised a couple times by Chief Justice Roberts and and that these people regardless of of some uh, perceived ideological uh, affiliation are very often um, really just competent rule of law judges that are interested in keeping the judiciary, you know, out of the politics, and and that's something that um, I, I'm finding it interesting that there even has to be a keep nine coalition to be honest with you paul um but this is a a, an uphill fight because constitutional amendments are not easy to pass no but they aren't they aren't but uh, every journey begins with the first step now that said if some if someone did not have the vision about a hundred years ago uh, then women wouldn't have the right to vote. That's the 19th Amendment. The 19th Amendment took about 100 years to pass and has been in existence about 100 years. But for until the 19th, women, women, 19th Amendment, women couldn't even vote. That was a journey that was certainly worth taking. How do you, how do you amend the Constitution? Well, one way is a constitutional convention, which... I believe the last one was when they originated the Constitution. They hadn't had one since. But at any rate, the other 27 amendments have been amended by this process that we're engaged in now. Uh, you, have to, you have to get uh, two-thirds of both, of both the House and the Senate, of both the House and the Senate, to, uh, to pass a resolution that's identical in language in both houses you have to have two-thirds vote in the House and Senate, and then you have to have three-quarters, that's three-fourths of the state's legislatures to ratify that amendment. That's a big job. That's a big job, but it's worth the job because that then acts as a, as I call it, a firewall against court packing. Now, where does it stand in Congress, the uh, uh, House Resolution 11 and Senate Resolution 9? which are, as you say, say the exact same thing. The Supreme Court of the United States shall be composed of nine justices. Um, Where does that stand? Has that been passed in in both of those houses? No, it hasn't. 
primarily Republicans uh, have either sponsored or endorsed the the, the Keep Nine Amendment. Uh, but and, and we are we are encouraging, obviously encouraging not only Republicans but also the Democrats to get on board. We think that this is going to be an issue. We think that, uh, frankly, that uh, uh, that the that the study, the commission that's going to study court reform, but not make any recommendations, is is really a, a solution looking for a problem. Uh, we think that uh, probably there are some, primarily the the uh, progressives, the liberals, the Democrats, that don't want court packing to be an issue in the 2022 elections. Uh, the reason that they don't want it to be uh, an issue is because they want to increase their numbers in 2022 so that they can then try to pack the court. Now, that said, uh, to answer your question, where do we stand? We stood we, we stood at first back in, uh, oh, I think it was in September the 23rd of 2020, House Joint Resolution 95 was sponsored, believe it or not, by a Democrat, Representative uh, Colin Peterson from Minnesota, and co-sponsored by a Republican, uh, uh, Congressman Riggleman from Virginia. Uh, then uh, in, in the Senate... It was introduced by Senator Ted Cruz. There are many co-sponsors in the Senate. The bottom line is that we have about 160 House members, primarily Republicans, 160 House members that are in, in endorsing or sponsoring uh, the Keep Nine Amendment, and we have about 20 uh, senators in the Senate, primarily Republicans, that are endorsing it. So, we're gaining momentum. We're gaining momentum. We're gaining attention. People are asking questions about it. Well, even in even in state forward. even in state legislatures, Paul. I didn't mean to yes. interrupt, but um, according to information I got from your organization, uh, resolutions urging Congress to propose the uh, Keep Nine Amendment um, yes. have passed in seven state legislatures and are pending in more than a dozen others. Um, what is the sequence of events, Paul, that has to happen um, over whatever period of time it takes? Does it have to, does, does, do the House and, and Senate have to come up with a, a concurrent uh, resolution um, that, that states this and then it's voted on by all the legislatures? Or have you got state legislatures, can you count them in the win column already for these uh, resolutions that have been passed? Well, it, 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 there's, no set, there's no set time limit uh, on, on how often this is done. Uh, it depends on the House and the Senate rules as to whether or not you have to reintroduce legislation at every new Congress. Uh, but, but as long as we got the votes, it really doesn't make too much difference. We're working on both the ratification process and the uh, uh, and the amending process uh, simultaneously. That is, we're work we're we're talking to uh, speakers of the Senate, speakers of the House, in both in in the various states. And by the way, we've got ten state legislative chambers that have endorsed the Keep Nine Amendment. Now it's not it's no longer seven. It changes almost daily, uh, but. We're working on, on them simultaneously. As I said, it took, well, 
1789 until uh, until about uh, uh, 1920. It took that long to get the uh, 19th Amendment. Uh, it took that long to get the 19th Amendment passed. So uh, we've got, you know, we're not worried about the time. We're just worried about the votes. And what is uh, what are the chances that you can get Democrats on board, given the fact that that for many of them their perception is that the uh, the current court makeup leans heavily to the right. If if people if if the public if the state legislatures if the public finally convinces the Democrats that independence of the court, that the rule of law and checks and balances is so important and is a crown jewel that we do not need to have destroyed, that's when it will change. Paul, can can the state legislators work ahead of Congress on this? Can they just continue to pass... Uh, legislation supporting this uh, or resolutions supporting this effort and and rack up all the wins necessary without waiting for congress to act first uh they 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 can they can do that and and that would that would that would certainly help build momentum but you've got to have two-thirds vote in the house and the senate before a ratification is effective but can they? But can the states pre-ratify? I guess that's uh, they, my question. They can. They can. They can't pre-ratify, and no, they can't pre-ratify because they don't have anything to ratify. It, it, it has to have two-thirds votes in the House and the Senate of the of the United States for them to know what they're going to ratify. But they can. They can ratify. They can uh, vote uh, that would have a psychological and certainly a political uh, resonance to it, but it won't have any legal effect. But it is a way to build momentum to get Congress sure. to act. How can John Q. Public impact this? Is it is it better to encourage their state legislatures, or is it better to just focus their attention on their uh, on their Congress, uh, uh, their members of Congress and senators? Well, if, if if it's a decision of one or the other, I would say I would say work on your state legislators because when it gets down to it, whether you're a U.S. senator or whether you're a congressman, for one thing, your state legislatures uh, also have a, a great impact every ten years when it comes to uh, reapportion or when it comes to uh, the boundaries of a congressional district. They have great influence and and and. Congressmen and senators pay attention to what their legislators at the state level think and say and do and have opinions on. So, so if, if, if it's a choice of doing both, please do both. But if it's not, talk to your congressmen, talk to your uh, state representatives and senators and have them try to, uh, try to talk some sense into some of the uh, congressional members. Um, and... and uh, Congress uh, members and state legislators, for that matter, are paying a lot of attention to that redistricting because we're going through oh, yeah. it right now. This oh, is yeah. this is a good time to uh, um, 
get their attention. It, it, it's, it certainly it certainly is. I, I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, what's in, what, what is so interesting is that about well, like I say in 2019, a bipartisan, truly bipartisan group of former attorneys general uh, got together and said, you know, we need to get this done. We need to get this passed. It's it, it's been 152 years, and we that wasn't even being discussed until the 2020 election. And so this was something this is not something that that we're reacting to as a result of 2020. We thought about this a year and a half ago. Uh, I I've only I've only been involved in this uh, coalition for about a year. But what what is important is that a a keep nine amendment is so important because one it maintains the independence of the court, two it, it, it stabilizes the rule of law, and three, it acts as a checks and balances on abuse of power by the other two branches, and we've seen that happen. Yeah, and and I think in their in their wisdom, the the framers really understood that even though these were often political appointments, when you put somebody on the Supreme Court, as uh, presidents and senators do, that um, that it would balance itself out over time, as it has. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what's interesting. Uh, in 19, the, the last time there was an attempt to pack the court was uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, <laughs> FDR, in 1937. Famously. 1937. Yep. Uh, he had won, won in his last term. He had won overwhelmingly. And there was, there was an overwhelming... Uh, majority of, of Democrats, his party, in the House and the Senate, and of course he was a Democrat in the uh, presidency. And and he tried to pack the court. He tried to add, I think it was six six members to the court. Well, he failed miserably, miserably. Even his even his allies voted against him. And of course, uh, uh, of course. Uh, uh, his, his opponents were emboldened as a result. But the point is this. Somebody figured out that we don't need to change this crown jewel that we have in America. We already have too many changes going on as they are now. This is a crown jewel. We don't need to end up like a banana republic with 33 members on our high court. <laughs> well, and as you pointed out, Paul, it's it's been operating the way it's operating for 152 years. And and the phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, comes to mind. Uh, it, it certainly comes to mind. I was about to say that. That's no Tennessee. Well, we call it Tennessee expression. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it sure isn't broken. Well, Paul, I appreciate you uh, spending time to explain that this is going on because I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, even though it was talked a lot about during the campaign and right after uh, Biden's election, I don't people I don't think people realize that there's that there are ongoing conversations about this. And I appreciate you uh, bringing it to my attention and the uh, listeners attentions. Thank you. Remember, leaders at keep nine. .org. That's our email. The phone number is 202-255-5000. We would love to communicate with you. We'll send you any information you might need on this issue. Please talk to your legislators. Thank you so much, Tom. Take care, Paul.
Keep up the good work. Thank you. Uh, again, that was uh, Paul Summers. He is the uh, former Attorney General of Tennessee and co-chair of the Keep Nine Coalition. And uh, we got lots more of the show straight ahead. Hear ye! Hear ye! The coat's in session. The coat's in session. Now, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Stop being that fudge. Cause here come the judge. Don't nobody budge. Cause here come the judge. Judge Shorty is presiding today. And he don't take no stuff from nobody. No kind of way. Hey boy, take off that hat. Where do you think you're at? I know where you gon' be if you don't eat my plea. I'm here to tell you.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now.
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Oh, beautiful, for spacious skies, for amber ways of gray, for purple mountains, majesty, George Winters and uh, vocalist Michael McGlown from a CD called A Slice of Heaven. Seemed like a uh, an appropriate lead in this segment as we're going to uh, have uh, some excerpts from last night's what some people are calling uh, President Biden's first State of the Union and the GOP response from uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. It's thought it'd be uh, fun to share. Just just some highlights 
from last night's uh, speeches. Hail to the chief, he's the chief and he needs hailing. He is the chief, so everybody hail like crazy. Hail to that's more or less. Hail to the chief, if you don't, I'll have to kill you. I am the chief, so you better watch your step. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. No president has ever said those words from this podium. No president has ever said those words. And it's about time. I stand here tonight, one day shy of the 100th day of my administration. 100 days since I took the oath of office and lifted my hand off our family Bible and inherited a nation we all did that was in crisis. The worst pandemic in a century the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Now, after just 100 days, I can report to the nation, America is on the move again. And by the way, while you're thinking about sending things to my desk, <laughs> Let's raise the minimum wage to $15. No one, no one working 40 hours a week, no one working 40 hours a week should live below the poverty line. We need to ensure greater equity and opportunity for women. And while we're doing this, let's get the Paycheck Fairness Act to my desk as well. Equal pay. They spent much too long. And if you wonder whether it's too long, look behind me. We have to come together to heal the soul of this nation. It was nearly a year ago before her father's funeral when I spoke with Gianna Floyd, George Floyd's young daughter. She's a little tight, so I was kneeling down to talk to her so I could look her in the eye. She looked at me and she said, my daddy changed the world. Well, after the conviction of George Floyd's murderer, we can see how right she was if, if we have the courage to act as a Congress. We've all seen the knee of injustice on the neck of black Americans. Now's our opportunity to make some real progress. The vast majority of men and women wearing a uniform and a badge serve our communities and they serve them honorably. I know them. I know they want to. We have to come together to rebuild trust between law enforcement and the people they serve, to root out systemic racism in our criminal justice system, and to enact police reform in George Floyd's name that passed the House already. I know Republicans have their own ideas and are engaged in a very productive discussions with Democrats in the Senate. We need to work together to find a consensus. But let's get it done next month by the first anniversary of George Floyd's death. We've stared into the abyss of insurrection and autocracy, pandemic and pain, and we, the people, did not flinch. At the very moment our adversaries were certain we'd pull apart and fail, we came together, we united. With light and hope, we summoned a new strength, new resolve. 
to position us to win the competition of the 21st century. On our way to a union more perfect, more prosperous, and more just, as one people, one nation, and one America. Folks, as I told every world leader I've ever met with over the years, it's never, ever, ever been a good bet to bet against America, and it still isn't. We're the United States of America. There is not a single thing, nothing, nothing beyond our capacity. We can do whatever we set our minds to if we do it together. So let's begin to get together. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you for your patience. The Tom Sumner Program.com Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around the store while I'm shopping. I remember every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals, just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege because a relative owned land generations before my time. Believe me, I know firsthand our healing is not finished. In 2015, after the shooting of Walter Scott, I wrote a bill to fund body cameras. Last year, after the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I built an even bigger police reform proposal. But my Democratic colleagues blocked it. I extended an olive branch. I offered amendments. But Democrats used a filibuster to block the debate from even happening. My friends across the aisle seemed to want the issue more than they wanted a solution. But I'm still working. I'm hopeful that this will be different. When America comes together, We've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all, by doubling down on the divisions we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination, and it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. I'm an African-American who has voted in the South my entire life. I take voting rights personally. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And so do the voters. Big majorities of Americans support early voting and big majorities support voter ID, including African-Americans and Hispanics. Common sense makes common ground.
Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.